0: Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I am so thrilled to be back with new episodes. We've got some new topics and conversations that I'll be sharing with you over the next couple weeks and months. And in today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with the licensed therapist and relationship coach, Shayna Shockett. We are talking about partner relationships. After baby, I have had so many folks ask and request for this topic to be covered, and I'm so thrilled to finally get a chance to dive into this really important experience of being partnered, getting pregnant, or expecting that you're going to be bringing a baby into your life in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like for you. And then the baby is here, you are now parents, and it can have a huge impact. On the partner relationship that so many couples feel unprepared for, the impact that it has on intimacy on communication. You're now sleep deprived and navigating these brand new identities. If there were any challenges or pain points in the partner relationship before baby was born, a lot of times having a baby can put a strain on those pain points or intensify them, not just for the couple relationship, but also for extended family relationships, which can also impact you and your partner. What I really appreciate about Shayna, approach is she's not just going to speak to us about the experience, but she's going to get real tangible in some tips in ways that you and your partner can find each other again, whether you are preparing for baby and you want to be proactive or you're already in the thick of it. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Shana. Thank you so much for taking the time to record this episode with me. I am so excited to finally get a chance to share an episode all about partner relationships after baby. I get asked to talk about this all the time. And it's definitely something that I feel really passionate about. And I know that you do as well. So I'm so excited to get a chance to do this episode together. Thank you again for taking the time.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me, Cassidy. Like you said, it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. I know you are as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it. So you tell me, where do you want to start?
0: Yeah. Well, let's first start with your background and a little bit of context and why you do the work that you do and so that people can kind of understand and get an introduction to you before we dive in.
1: Sure. So brief um, employment history. I was a teacher out of school as my first job and I had a few students that had home issues and that led to them also having messy cubbies because often our you know external lives are Correlate with our internal, and I used to sit back with them during recess sometimes to help them organize, and I talked to them about what's going on in their lives, and I realized that I enjoyed doing that a lot more than teaching them math and grammar, and so I decided to go back for counseling. And once I started working in that, I combined different interests, and I'm sure as you experience as a therapist, the things that we like to work with evolve as we go through our own experiences in life, and as we see different oh, yeah. coming up with clients of ours. And so I was initially working um, with, well, out of, once I started private practice, when I was out of clinic work, I was working with women going through different transitional phases of life. I guess that's something that I related to being someone who had gone through dating that was annoying or figuring out what I wanted to do professionally and where I was going to work professionally and then becoming a mom, all these different transitions. So that's what I found myself liking to work with. And then at some point, a lot of the clients coming in were moms who felt like they were no longer connected and were fighting with their husbands in ways that they hadn't fought before, or their partner, and they just saw different things coming up that were not an issue before kids, and then on the flip side of that, I had some moms who were coming in struggling with empty nest syndrome coming up as their older kids were leaving the college, saying, like, I don't even know my partner anymore without kids. And I'm like scared to be home alone with them once the kids are gone. Like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And so seeing this in the beginning stages where like the baby's just born and suddenly the relationship's shifting to then close to 20 years later when like the kids are out of the house and seeing that the relationship broke up during that couple decades, I realized like, you know, this is something that needs to be addressed. And at that same time in one of the many mom groups that I'm in on Facebook, which those are all so great. Um, There was one where a mom wrote that she was 11 weeks postpartum or something like that. And, you know, so obviously still very hormonal and adjusting to new life. And she said that she's really struggling in her relationship and struggling with getting the baby to sleep. And so she just got in the car to drive around and baby's finally sleeping And she realized she has no interest in going back home to see her husband. And Mm. she's like, it's not like I don't like him. It's not like he did anything wrong. I just don't know if I love him anymore or if I'm interested in being there. And so many moms started commenting on this post saying like, I don't really have anything helpful to tell you, but I've been there or I relate. Um, So many comments like that. And I finally chimed in and said that as a wife, mom, and therapist, I can tell you that these feelings are totally normal and very common, as you see here, because they're affected by so many things like your hormones, your exhaustion, um, your time being spent differently, your responsibilities being different, but it doesn't mean that your relationship has to fall apart. There are ways to work through it if you're committed and if you care about each other. And That's what kind of prompted me then to make that shift with my content because I noticed that at the time there was nobody really focusing specifically on the relationship for new parents. That wasn't like yeah. anyone's primary focus that I saw and that's when I started shifting and then I started seeing a lot more content from a lot of other you know therapists like you, Tracy Morgan um, and so many other people then started having these things as pieces of their content, but it wasn't a primary focus. And I was like, hey, you know what? That's that's my niche. That's where I want to focus on. That's where I want to help moms.
0: Oh, my gosh. it's I can resonate with so many parts of what you just shared. One, that your life experiences can become the muse once you heal from those life experiences and do your own work um, to then become sort of the place in which you decide that you're like, okay, this is actually... Um, something I really want to specialize in in, and a population that I really want to support. And then also in my own clinical practice, I can relate to the experience of in one session working with a new parent or a postpartum couple who is really struggling with their partner relationship. And then in the next session after that, having um, someone come in exactly who's an empty nester and is just like, now that the kids are out of the house – we don't even recognize each other anymore. Um, and absolutely, there are so many ways in which we can be engaging as couples with each other from the very beginning um, so that we don't get to that space, right? If yeah. that's if we are committed, and if that is something that we want to do, we want to commit to this relationship um, and and working on it. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, I just opened up a question box yesterday on Instagram asking, like, just where are people Where are people at? You know, I want to take a pulse um, because I just feel like right now there's so much content being shared on social media, which is great, but I think it can be really overwhelming. And so I want to be just super intentional in really addressing the pain points that people are struggling with right now in the content that I'm sharing. And, oh, my gosh, probably like 80% of the things that came through were about, partner relationships or communication and struggling in those areas. And so you have an account on social media, Love After Baby. I love that you are really just honing in on this niche as a clinician provider and and as a content creator um, and resource provider in that space. So let's let's dive in. So you mentioned a few reasons why partner relationships can be so difficult after baby. So a few of those being, you know, the fact that you are both navigating now this brand new identity. You're also sleep deprived. And can we talk for a second about how sleep deprivation is such a beast and can Really impact literally the parts of our brain that allow us to communicate effectively. So you're navigating this brand new identity while also having less brain resources yeah, for communicating and, effectively with each other.
1: Yeah. And sleep deprivation is literally a torture tactic. It's what yeah. people use to, you know, brainwash people or get answers out of people. And so we're meant to oh. suddenly. Manage so much more in our lives, have so many more responsibilities, take care of this little human, and still maintain everything we were doing before, but on less sleep than we had before.
0: Right, right. And then less time and space to repair when we do show up as our not best versions of ourselves in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, there's just less time and space for those repair moments and just for space for connection. Intimacy is going to be challenged for a variety of reasons being touched out. Um, if you're the, the partner that gave birth, um, you know, the hormone fluctuations are going to impact libido. Right. It's just also, be,
1: um, you know, sometimes for some partners, they may be less attracted to their partner's body. That's changed. But I find that that's more often in the head of the mom than it is mm. in their partner. Their partner is just craving to reconnect most of the time. Yeah. And I get so many questions from moms, like, I don't feel confident in my body or I'm not feeling comfortable. What should I do? And I you know, encourage them to have a conversation with their partner about it and see where their partner's at. And
0: mm.
1: you know, 99% of the time, Typically, their partner just really wants to spend time with them and be with them, and it's more in their own head that they're getting insecure, which makes sense. We don't recognize ourselves. The identity shifts in so many ways. I know personally, um, you know, my second daughter had to be born via C-section because she was breech, and that took – you know, a lot on my mental state in terms of like, I went through this before and I know this is supposed to happen. And now I have to get used to this totally different experience and a totally different recovery. And, right. you know, you go into it thinking like, oh, been here, done that. I know how this is going to play out. But now it's playing out totally differently. And like, your body is changed differently. And, and I was like, hey, my body's going to be the same as it was after my first baby. But no, it was a C section. So it's different. And that's going to play a role on how we see ourselves. Which then affects how we are in our relationships because then we sometimes Mm -hmm. can project those insecurities and we start convincing ourselves that, like, this is what our partner is thinking.
0: Oh, absolutely. So much mind reading can happen, right? Or assumptions. And I love what you're naming here in terms of. You know the truth is that we 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 can't read our partners' minds, right? And yeah. so if we are able to slow down and actually check in with each other around these things, or name like, "Hey, I'm not feeling like myself. I don't recognize my own body." And so I'm wondering, when you look at me, what are you? What do you see? You know? And gosh, that yeah. could really open up um, some pretty vulnerable dialogue, but also You know really- It's also
1: super connecting for both yeah. partners because it's that when you are vulnerable and then that person sees you and responds to what you just opened up about and validates you and makes you feel like, I know you're scared or you feel different, but I love you just as you are. And even, you know, empowers you to be like, you know, my husband was telling me like, you know, you just- you just you know, created this miracle. You're so strong. You're you know you got through it really great because I was like feeling uncomfortable about having to have a C-section, and that was really meaningful to me.
0: Mm. Oh, so so important. I love that you're naming these things here. I know for me, I've had three belly births, and with my first, it was um, it was very traumatic, and so not only did I have this scar and my first my first time being postpartum and not recognizing my body, but there was also um, a lot of intense traumatic things that my body had been through where I then around intimacy that became very challenging um, related to not just not recognizing my body and my body changes and the hormonal fluctuations, which definitely impacts libido for the birth partner, but also the, the birth experience itself and, um, you yeah. know, elements of control, elements of vulnerability, of fear. Safety, fear, all of that showing up, um, in those first, those first times that you and your my, me and my partner were, you know, trying to reclaim intimacy with each other. And yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, it took needing to go to therapy and process my birth experience to even be ready for that, um, and you know what's so frustrating for me, I don't know if you can relate to this, but that 6 week postpartum appointment which let's just say is not enough. Like for oh, yeah. new moms, it's too little, too late. But like the fact that we go there and what they what we get cleared for is exercise and sex which basically sends the message that like what is important is to get your body back um hello no like not not helpful in that moment those vulnerable first those vulnerable first few months postpartum and that and sex right and it's like okay can we actually slow down and honor what um what the birth parent has is going through and is in right now but also like what the relationship like where people are ready and where they're not yet yeah. you know
1: um, I know when I did a post on something about like you know that six weeks being more of like a myth because majority of people are not ready yet it's just a lot you know physically mentally emotionally hormonally it's a lot and when I've done posts like that, so many people, you know, message me or comment and it resonates with them because they had this idea from when they first got pregnant and started reading all the books and started following all these people and started having their OBGYN appointments that, okay, we got to get to baby. And then six weeks after baby, we're cleared back to normal. And that just creates this unrealistic expectation that, you know, life's supposed to go back at six weeks when, research shows that it can take several years for Mm. you to, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, and relationship wise, etc, all these things to start feeling more normal again, and back to where you were. And it's never going to be 100% the same, because, you know, life is now different. And that's, it's beautiful. It's, you know, there's the yes, and so there is so many beautiful, magical things about it. And it's also a huge adjustment.
0: Right, it's brutal. It's brutal and beautiful. It's that yeah. that both and right. Yeah, yeah. And so let's let's talk a little bit about intimacy and connecting postpartum, um, because you know, couples a lot of well, it, it can really vary. It's very nuanced, right? Like I know from my first postpartum experience, my partner actually experienced postpartum depression, and so that impacted his libido and like he was he didn't really have a desire to be intimate and connect um, and that was hard for both of us. And then um, with my second and third, you know, now I have multiple children. I'm feeling super touched out. Like it's, you know, it's it's hard. When at the end of the day, my partner, his love language really is touch. Um, is one of his. It's touch and um, acts of service. And he wants to connect. He wants to cuddle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had a baby on me all day. And you know with my second, I had a toddler around all the time. It's like, yeah. it's hard. And so I'm curious to hear um, from your professional experience and personal too, um, you know, what are some ways in which couples can begin to, con- can can continue to feel connected to each other postpartum um, and navigate some of the challenges that can come with intimacy after baby?
1: Yeah. So it's really, you know, making the most of the small moments because we all mm. have these little moments in our day-to-day lives where there's an opportunity to either connect or not notice or not respond to your partner's ask for connection. And sometimes mm. you don't, you're not even aware of it. It's just mindless. And those little things are not going to necessarily, in the moment, destroy your relationship. But over time, you're making deposits or withdrawals into your emotional bank account with your partner. So yeah. every time they kind of ask you something, and you continue looking at your phone, instead of looking up at them, you're making a little withdrawal. Every mm. time that, you know, they walk in the door and you don't acknowledge that they just walked in or say, hey, how was your day? You're making a little withdrawal. And the same goes for them towards you. It's, it's a two-way thing. Whereas every time that you acknowledge them, give them eye contact when they're talking to you, um, you know, ask them how they were, tell them to have a great day as you or they are heading out. Those are deposits. And the the goal is to have many more deposits than withdrawals and that when you're doing that, each little withdrawal is going to have less of an impact when it's a healthy balance there of deposits. And while right. some things may be kind of like a bigger deposit than others, same way how like at work, certain tasks are more higher paying than others, or you know, have more of an impact than others. Let's say your partner's love language is touch. When you give them a hug, when you give them a kiss, when you snuggle with them, that's going to make a larger deposit than when you just ask them how their day was, if that's not their love language. But as long yeah. as you're making deposits, you're going in the right direction, and it's not necessary to constantly... Always show them their love language only at all times every day. I got that question from a mom who's like, what do you do when you're limited on time and you have different love languages and you feel like there's just no way to do it? I said, be intentional about showing them love in the way that they receive it best at least a few times a week. But otherwise, mm-hmm. as long as there are positive moments of connection and you're responding to them and you're showing them care, it's still going to affect your relationship positively. Yes, could it maybe be even better if you were showing them love in their love language? Yeah. But if that's too much to constantly have in mind, be intentional about doing it at least a few times a week. Kind of like how, you know, let's say you wanted to work out to be more fit. There's a certain ideal, let's say, of how much time you want to spend working out or which kind of workouts you want to do. But if you're a busy mom who doesn't have time, As long as you're getting in some cardio or strength training, it's good for your heart and it's good for your muscles. And if something is better than nothing, a lot of times as people, we have this all or nothing mentality, whereas if I can't do this all the way or to the ultimate ideal, then I'm not going to do it at all. But those little moments where we seize the moment and connect and show care and show love and show respect, appreciation, admiration, all those positive things are all going to add up to affect our relationship positively. And with touch, there's different ways to ease yourself into it, kind of like dipping your toe in the water when you want to go into a cold pool, right? None of us wants to just jump straight into a cold pool. There's some people who are comfortable just like jumping in the deep end and getting used to it, but not the most comfortable. So, you know, little ways that you can get into the water are sitting next to each other on the couch while you are – Having a tea or coffee or a glass of wine together. Um, you know, leaning your head into their shoulder as you're watching a show together that you both enjoy. sharing a blanket on the couch. Um, you know, little, little things like having an arm graze, getting chills. You know, if you like chills or a massage, telling them, hey, can you give me a massage just to have a massage? It doesn't have to lead to anything. Just because yeah. I want to reassociate touch as something that I enjoy that can be just for me. And not for anybody else because we're so used to being touched constantly for our babies and ne- them needing us to touch that we just don't want to do something for someone else on this subconscious level even. It's not that we are selfish, just we just have no more reserves, which that's yeah. why it's really important to you know be in tune to your self-care and be in tune to what energizes you and refuels you and what will make you feel like – you're not overwhelmed and you're a bit more relaxed and that you have more capacity to give because we're constantly overstimulated by everything that we need to give.
0: Oh, the sensory overload is so, so real. And I love I love that you're naming the love languages piece here. I think that Actually, taking the moment to do the work to actually explore what is mine and what is my partner's can be helpful because we can easily get lost in translation. You know, my my partner, he's an acts of service guy, and he like he'll fill up my gas tank. He always fills up my gas tank. I can't think of the last time I filled up my own gas tank, and that's, you know, at the end of at the end of the day, when I want to talk and I want to hear from him that he loves me, and I want to hear those words from him, and I'm not getting those words, but I'm missing the fact that you know what, like he filled up my gas tank today and he came home and the first thing he wanted to do was like hug me for six seconds. (laughs) Like that's, those are his expressions of love. And it does, and we can get so lost in translation when we miss those things. And oh gosh, when you're talking here about easing your way into touch, especially when you're so touched out at the end of the day, I remember working with, um, I was running a support group and one of the members of that group, um, her and her partner were really struggling because her partner was really missing her um, and was telling her like he missed her touch-wise. He really wanted to be close and touching her and connected in those ways. And she was really touched out and struggling. And I remember her coming in one day and she said, you know what? Because we had talked about this sort of idea of um, finding touch that did feel good to her um, to, like you said, ease her way into that, <laughs> ease her way instead of just jumping into the the deep end because she just wasn't ready for that yet. And she shared that she'd asked her partner to brush her hair and that as he was brushing her hair that she just broke down into in tears because it did feel so good to be touched, but in a way that felt comfortable for her right now with where she was at, you know, and it was such a connecting experience. Um, the other day, my husband asked me if I would (laughs) walk on his back because his back was hurting and you know, like, like, I try to give him massages, but I guess I'm not that good at it. (laughs) So he was like, he's like, can you walk on my back? And so I walked on his back and he afterwards was like, that felt so good. And I really took my time like walking on his back and it didn't take much energy from me, but it really meant a lot to him. And so now it's like, now I'm asking him, hey, do you want me to walk on your back? Because I know it's something that like, I, it doesn't take a lot of energy for me, but it means a lot to him and it doesn't require a level of touch that I'm just like not ready to give, but it fills up his cup and afterwards I can tell that he feels connected to me and he feels like, wow, and I'm going out of my way now to ask, you know? Yeah. Um, and when when I come into the room after the baby and the kids are, are have gone to sleep, if he takes his headphones off that is so important to me to know that like he's because for me it's quality time and words of affirmation and the fact that he's recognizing okay I'm gonna take my headphones off and <laughs> maybe talk if that's what she's wanting right now or at least just like have some time together um, just those little those little moments like you're saying those little moments of saying all right I um, I see that there's something that you would like to connect with around here and I'm gonna I'm gonna receive that bid for connection and respond to it. Oh my gosh, those depo- those deposits are everything, especially when, you know, later on in the middle of the night, we have a tough moment where I snap at him or I say something snarky because I'm exhausted and the baby's waking up again. You know, the fact that we had those other moments, it, if we have more of those, <laughs> it's okay. It makes it easier to repair and come back and kind of, um, recalibrate or bounce back when we do have those, those tougher moments, which will happen, right? Especially mm-hmm. when you're busy and you've got so many other decisions to make together, parenting decisions, and so many more opportunities for those struggles, especially when you're sleep deprived. Um, those deposits are everything. I love that that you're naming that here. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And it's inevitable that there's going to be moments where you're not your best, where you might be a little snarky, where you don't notice something they're asking of you, where you maybe make them feel like you're ignoring them because either you totally didn't hear them or you're having selective hearing where you're just like mentally pulled in so many directions that you're just not focused. So it's inevitable that there's going to be moments where there is friction, but having those deposits and also having humor is a big one that we can you know, touch Oof, on yeah. a bit that are things that can really help with the repair process. But I also wanted to point out where you said we're saying about your husband asking you to walk on his back and then when you did it, he told you how great it felt. When we feel appreciated, when somebody tells us how good something is that we did, and it's not something that takes a lot out of us, we are then encouraged to do more of it because mm, we're like so they,
0: true. We're
1: like they really like this, and it's not a lot of effort from me. So if I do the thing, that's you know, if he asked you to like need his back, that would take more of an investment from you, I'm guessing, and you'd be less likely <laughs> to do it. Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I, if like, he's like, wait, no, not there or like harder. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing this good. Like the fact that like I walked on his back and he was like, that felt great. And that positive feedback. Oh my gosh. Now I'm like every day. I'm like, you want me to walk on your back? Like, because it feels good. It feels good to know that this feels good. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, I tell moms all the time who are asking me, how do I get my partner to help out more with this thing? And I tell them, be as specific as possible, which your husband did. He said, like, can you walk on my back? So be as specific as possible. Tell them what you need, what you want them to do, when you want them to do it. And then when they actually go ahead and do it, tell them that you appreciate it. Tell them that you noticed it because they're going to feel seen. They're going to feel like, oh, wow, she actually noticed that I did this thing. She appreciated Mm -hmm. that I did this thing. And that will encourage them to do it more because what we sometimes lose sight of is that we're not out to get each other we love each other we chose to have this partnership we chose to build a family together but when we get caught up in the mundane day to day things and we start like keeping score of i'm doing this you're not doing that and we start feeling like we're out to get each other or like there's this negative feelings and it's yeah. not about that we're not out to get each other we want to do well we want to be in a good space Like When I have couples coming in or a mom coming in, and I'm sure you see this as well, and they had a really good week, they're really excited. They're on a high that like they didn't fight that week or got along or worked through a struggle together and got through it in a positive way. We want to have good moments. We want to get along. And so when our partner feels like, hey, she's seeing this effort that I'm putting in. She's telling me that she sees it. She's telling me that she appreciates it. I want more of this feeling. I want to do it again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, you're so right. When we can find ourselves back to that space of identifying the common ground that we share with each other, which at the end of the day, for most couples, is going to is going to look like we want to be connected to each other. We want, when it comes to even parenting decisions and parenting together, we probably want at the end of the day the same things for our kids. But we can lose sight of that in, like you're saying, in the day-to-day, in those tough moments, or when we feel triggered, or we feel attacked, and we put those walls up, those defensiveness walls, or we feel like we can't be vulnerable with each other. We can lose sight of that, and these barriers can kind of get built between us. But when we're able to, like you're saying, identify at the end of the day, we want to be in this together, right? We don't want, it's harder when we're apart and disconnected. We want to feel connected. So how can we find a way to get back to that with each other? And, oh my gosh, it's, For me, you named it here. You said, you said it. You said that 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 score keeping. That for me, that is a big signal. The second I start getting into either in my own head or verbally to my partner, start this the score keeping. Right, like, well, I did this, and I'm doing this, and you're not doing enough of this, and like keeping score. The minute that's happening, that is my signal to like, oop, okay we need to get back, like we're we're caught in that cycle, (laughs) like pause, slow down. At the end of the day, do him and I probably want similar things? Is there a common ground here and how can we get back to that? And how can we come back to being in a space of being in this together instead of against each other? Um, But that scorekeeping is like the signal for me of needing to come back to that, of needing to slow down. Um, Have you seen that for yourself or for the couples that you work with?
1: Yeah, definitely that it's, you know, a sign to figure out what's going on here and why is this happening and how can we reconnect again? And that I say that a lot to couples in terms of there's two parts to the relationship. There's not having negatives, but there's also having positives. And Mm -hmm. this was a discussion that I just literally had this week with a client where I was asking her, how can you have some more positive moments of connection with your husband? And so she starts saying, well, I can try not to, um, you know, fight with him. And I said, no, I'm not asking you not to have a negative. I'm asking you what is a positive you can add in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so she starts saying, I'll tell myself not to get upset when he says something to me that normally gets me upset. I said, no, that's still not adding a moment of connection. That's not letting a positive, that's not letting a negative get to you as much. But what's a positive thing that you can add into your relationship? What's a moment of connection that you can add in to look forward to, to start creating those positive feelings towards each other again? And she's so confused. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe going on a walk together, or Mm -hmm. maybe sitting together over a cup of coffee and chatting about something that doesn't have to do with work or the family or to-do lists? What is something that you can do together to connect? And a lot of times when we do find ourselves in this place of thinking negatively or scorekeeping, we're not having positive moments of connection. We're just going through life on autopilot. And Mm -hmm. when we first get into a relationship with our partners, we start out by dating. We have positive moments. Um, You know, I I know myself that when I was dating my husband, I never took out my phone on dates, at least for the first, like, (laughs) you know, like first, like couple months, I never took out my phone. And then once like we saw each other more and more and more often, you naturally like have to sometimes check your phone. But you know, Mm -hmm. in the beginning, I never checked my phone. And that can sometimes be a sore point where because I'm running a business and have a therapy practice and all the things like I need to check if an email came in, and I need to respond to something. And then he feels even though I'm not intentionally ignoring him, or I've, you know, I've heard the word is called fubbing. I'm not fubbing him intentionally. But that's the way he feels like, you know what, I'm here having Mm -hmm. a conversation with her. And she's looking down at the phone. And so I have to be intentional about not doing that. But not looking at the phone is one step. There's also the needing to have moments of connection where we have to have those date nights that we used to have. It's not just about that when we're going through our day-to-day lives in the home, I shouldn't look at my phone every time that he's talking to me. No, it's also that we have to go do those date nights. We have to have those fun moments, the same things that made us fall in love with each other and made us want to build a family together are still necessary to keep us together and keep us, you know, having those positive feelings towards each other. It's not like, oh, great, you got, you got into a partnership, you had a kid, you're good for life, you don't need to focus <laughs> on the dating part anymore, you don't need, like, no, we're, we're still people, you know, when, when you mm-hmm. have a friend, and we sometimes, like, we forget that our partners are these people, because we're so connected, we forget that they're not like in our heads and they're not a part of us. So we, we think are like, no, they know I love them so much. They know like, you know, we have a life together, but no, they still need that actual saying of it. They still need you to have those actions that show them that you love them and you need it too. And it's important to communicate about this and then institute these, you know, rituals of connection with each other. Because those are what is going to help your relationship be thriving and not just surviving, right? Oh,
0: absolutely. And when it comes to postpartum specifically, you know, there's so much support that we both both need individually and then that we need together as a couple to actually have the space to do some of these things, right? To to have time to connect with each other. So when it comes to communication with both each other and with others to get the help that we need or want during postpartum and then beyond, what are some of those suggestions you have in terms of just communication with each other and others? And how does that look different now that we're living in a global pandemic. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> Pandemic has definitely affected relationships. I mean, I'm sure you know, Cassie, there's been lots of high profile divorces and separations yeah. during this past year of relationships that people never thought we would see end. And I think that the pandemic definitely took a toll on a lot of those. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it is important to really figure out your system that works for you. And this isn't like such a new experience for new parents because new parents always had to get creative in certain ways because you can't just run out on a spontaneous date night the way that you did when kids weren't around and you didn't have to like figure out a babysitter because even when there were babysitters readily available, if you didn't live near family or, you know, finances were a bit tight, you don't necessarily feel comfortable just having a random person come over to watch your kid or you can't afford to have somebody come over to watch your kid. So yeah you know as parents we've always had to get creative in some ways or like you know if your kids sick and you plan to go out to a restaurant but you don't want to leave them sick with a babysitter then it's like okay hey, scrap that what do we do instead tonight so yeah. it's really important to figure out a plan that works for your family and there's the part of you needing time to yourself and for yourself and there's also time as a couple so with your partner clearly communicate what few things that you want to do for yourself that week. And it's going to take a little bit more preparation and it doesn't have to be perfect the first time you're starting it, but start an exercise of on you know one day of the week, maybe Sundays, Monday, think about what are a couple things that I can do this week to fill my cup and what do I need from my partner in order to help make that happen? So yes. do I want to go for a jog? Do I want to take a bath? Do I want to be able to go for a socially distanced walk with my friend. I love how we have that socially distanced disclaimer these days. I know um, it
0: has to you have to add that disclaimer, Shayna, but yes.
1: <laughs> I know, right? It's like, was it socially distanced if you don't say it? So you know, <laughs> you, know, you tell you know, you tell your partner, these are a few things that I want to do this week. Can you um, you know, make sure to be home with the baby while I'm going out or make sure to listen out for the baby. And a lot of times we on our own will like say, oh, he's not going to want to do it. Like I moved mm-hmm. during the pandemic and one of my best friends that was in New York wanted to make a socially distanced goodbye party for me outdoors. And yeah. I was like, I don't think it's going to work. Um, you know, I've never left. And this was, I, you know, had a few month old baby. and like, I've never left the baby with my husband before. And like, there's two kids now. I don't know if he's going to be up for it. And she's like, I already spoke to him about all this before I messaged you. I cleared it with him before. So like here I was already like assuming like he's not going to do it. He's not whatever. and And he already agreed to it. Like he was already fine with it. Mm-hmm and we do that very often where before we even ask them we answer for them and assume their answer is going to be no so yeah you know it's important yeah, and i think, think that, that probably
0: also can impact like if you do end up going in to ask and you already have that assumption in mind that could actually impact
1: the way you how,
0: ask the way you ask and how reactive you'll be if they even show any sign of like hesitation or uncertainty right like right. they might just be like trying to catch up and like try to like pro- like try to see okay, how are we gonna make this work or but they even might doing be hesitation... like
1: a, they might be doing the mental math of like, oh, what time do I have to finish this meeting in order to be right. available then And like we see that look on their face and be like, I knew you weren't gonna do it and you <laughs> know, that just is gonna lead to a blow. So there's there's that part with you needing the time for yourself, getting clear on a few things that will fill your cup and telling your partner yeah. what you need from them in order to make that happen. And, you know, allowing them to do the same if they don't get a lot of the time because maybe, you know, they're working and then once they're home, they don't have some downtime, like telling them to choose specific things they want to do instead of it automatically defaulting to like, oh, you always get an hour on the couch to watch your game while I watch the baby. So, you know, getting, having that, you know, conversation of here are ways that I can support you. These are ways that I need you to support me. And then in having that time together, it's either about getting creative once the kids are sleeping or even if you allow the kids to play a game or do an art project or have some screen time, which I know is like, you know, very charged with some people being like totally okay with it and some people being totally against it. Oh, oh, girl. Screen
0: time is like the only way. Right. It's like, you know, it's like screen time. Thank thank goodness that we have that as an option, right? Like the resources to have that as an option. And I think that um it's gosh, like even sometimes if we go out to dinner and like or we go to a restaurant um pre-pandemic or when restaurants are open outdoors now, um, and like we let the kids go on the screen so that my partner and I can like have a conversation while eating a meal and like Maybe enjoying a glass of wine potentially, like that, that works for us. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. So I just want to throw that in there for anyone who's listening and is like, um, yeah, we use screens too. We do, I yeah. do too. Okay. So, yeah, screen yeah. time can be great. <laughs>
1: yeah. You obviously don't want to like leave your kid sitting in front of a TV all day, every day. Right. But, you know, <laughs> right. if you want a little moment with your partner and giving your kid an episode of like Daniel Tiger or something is going to accomplish that for you. Yes, it's all good, it's all good, it's all
0: good, it's all good, and and so
1: you know you can do that. And if you live near family, if you're in a pod with anybody, you can try to ask somebody to come help out with the kids while you go do something quick with your partner, Um, or having a stay at home date night once the kids are sleeping. I know very often, like Sunday mornings, we'll let our toddler watch something and. We put the baby on the floor with some toys or put her to nap, and then we have some alone time. So it's about getting creative and using the supports that you do have and making the most of them.
0: Yeah, and I think when it comes to support, um, like the support network that you have, I always suggest like, okay, first like let's take stock of like who would you consider in your support network and consider everybody that like you are connected to because sometimes we... We might wish and hope that one, this one person could show up for us in the way that we need them to, right? Maybe maybe it's a grandparent or a parent or an in-law, and we want it to be that person or a friend, and but unfortunately, they can't show up for us and our family in the way that we really need them to. Um, but we hold out hope for that. We keep trying even though it's not working. But if we can identify the ways in which people in our support network can show up for us or can't or aren't aren't doing it yet, right? And if we can honor that, then what can happen is that we can then acknowledge, okay, but you know what? There is this friend or this other feeling member who I think really could respect our boundaries or respect the steps we want them to take that are um, so that we can bring them into our pod in a really safe way Um, and this person can show up for us like as as once we acknowledge who can't show up then all of a sudden room is open and space is open for this person waiting in the wings that could really come in and offer that support that can really help us get the time alone that we need or the time alone together that we need or just the help that we need Um, but yeah I think taking stock of our support network as a whole at first and then seeing okay who can I bring into the inner circle? And how can each of these people specifically, uniquely offer support or help our family during this big transition um, in postpartum can be really helpful.
1: Yeah. And in general, it's really great as in life in general, but especially as parents to really get clear on what resources you have available. What are things that you need to get done or need to do? What are things that are like nice to get done, but not necessary so that you can break it down a little bit and feel less overwhelmed and also set clear expectations with you and your partner of who's going to do what and when people are going to do it and having them sit down with you to do that. That's something that I really encourage because, A, that helps them be clear on what the expectations are, but it also helps them take ownership because they're involved in the process as opposed to you just telling them this is what you're doing.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. All right, Shana, thank you so much. I am so grateful that we got a chance to have this conversation. I love how tangible you make things. Where can people find you and your offerings so they can continue to soak in all the beautiful wisdom and resources that you have to offer?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me here, Cassidy. I love sharing these tips. I know that as a mom, I really appreciated any support that I could get from people around me. And I love doing this work with my clients and with my community on Instagram. So they can find me there at Love After Baby. And in my link in bio, there is either a 10 tips or a wait list for a 30 day series. But as long as you get on one of those, you're going to get emails to different resources that I have. You're going to get tips on things about your relationship and ways to improve your relationship. I always like including at least one tangible nugget because as moms, we're really busy. We have a lot going on. So being told like, hey, this is something that you can do that will make things better, that will allow you to connect with somebody you love makes it a lot easier than like, oh, this is a nice idea about a relationship, but how the heck do I actually apply it to mine? <laughs> yeah. so.
0: so, so important. That's like, this is something that you can do today. And I love that about, I love that about you. Yeah. So um, that's where they can find me. And
1: I love having more moms in the community. I love sharing information. I answer questions all the time, take inspo from people sending in questions to guide the content that I put out. So I'd love to have
0: anybody listening. Come on over. Amazing. And what I'll do is I will put links to where people can find you in the show notes. So people can head straight there right now to go and give Shaina at Love After Baby a follow and soak in all those amazing posts and resources that you're sharing over there. Shayna, thank you so much for taking the time to have this important conversation with me today. I'm so excited to share it with the Holding Space podcast audience. Thank you again so much. Thank you for having me, Cassidy. Appreciate
1: it. Have a great day, everybody, and hope that you learned some new tips that you can invest in your relationship. And remember, it's about the small moments that add up. So just figure out one small thing that you can add in at least a few times a week to connect with your partner, and that will make all the difference.
0: I love that takeaway, and I'm going to apply it to my own relationship today. Thank you, Shana. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OB-JOYN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.